This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in my home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm tired. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I uh, was going to have that honesty caveat, and I'm so glad that you just jumped right into the honesty. Yeah, it's it's 90 plus degrees here, and I spent way more of the day outside in the sun moving heavy stuff around than I thought I was going to, and uh, I'm tired. Okay, so you did like, heavy sun moving. You, yeah. People are really getting... You didn't move the sun. Well, that'd not. be cool. I mean, yeah. tell me if you have that superpower. <laughs> Uh, but this is great that listeners are really getting into our lives that you got home and you basically sat down at our little podcasting station because I haven't had time to hear about your day. So I'm like, what did she move? <laughs> I mean, just some tables and pop-up tents and a projector screen and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Pop-up you know. tent hauling. That's a normal day. <laughs> a normal day's work if you are somewhere uh, outside. I guess, right? Yep. Anytime you're outside, you might have to move a pop-up tent. You might. You might, <laughs> especially right now. We're not allowed to be inside, so, so got to be ready for outside. Moving that pop-up tent. Normally, when you ask people, how are you these days? They're like, you know, moving the pop-up tent. And everybody knows what they mean. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've been going back and forth all over the map here on Obsessed, talking about things that we are passionate about because the world is in not greatest shape right now, and we are trying to uh, stay positive, remind ourselves of our power, and talk about ways that we can change things, and we're trying to have some just fun and escapism. This episode is fun and escapism, but also, I think, hugely about staying positive and feeling uh, powerful. We're going to talk about Star Trek, damn it. Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm very excited uh, to do that. So just to give a quick background for uh, readers, we'll talk uh, readers. <laughs> I'm tired too. I moved the pop-up tent you, of I'm my sorry. mind. <laughs> dear readers, why aren't you reading this? Uh, dear listeners, uh, we'll talk a little bit about our general background with Star Trek, but in specific for us right now, like in recent times, in the last year, we rewatched big chunks of The Next Generation and Voyager to prepare for Picard. And mm -hmm. we watched the new Picard show. I think the year before that, we watched the first season of Discovery. We haven't made it to the second season, and I know the third season is uh, premiering uh, right now. Uh, but just very recently, in the last, last several weeks, uh, we have started a project that I have wanted to do for literally years, which is a total episode one from the beginning, every episode rewatch of Deep Space Nine. It's always been one of my favorites. I watched it as it was broadcast and then missed the last season because of uh, life stuff uh, going on. Right, I couldn't watch the uh, the final season. So I've always wanted to sit down and rewatch the entire thing. Uh, and I'm so happy that you and I started and you're really enjoying it, right? Uh, absolutely. And I have, with the exception of, um, I'd watched a few episodes when it was airing, but Basically, we can say that for all um, actual purposes, I have never seen Deep Space Nine. I So far, we've seen one episode that I know I saw. And yeah. gosh, that would have been a weird episode if that was my first episode. <laughs> so I think it was the last one of the first season. Um, and I had no context for it. And it it didn't grab me because I was like, what is this? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And in in the, terms of Deep Space Nine, I knew what Star Trek was. 
Yeah. Just to clarify. But that, yeah, that last episode spends a lot of time reflecting on everything that they've accomplished and how they've grown together. So mm-hmm. if that's the first episode you've seen, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. And I don't even know if it was the first one. It might have been in reruns or something that yeah. I saw it. But um, yeah, but I am absolutely loving Deep Space Nine. And it's super fun because, uh, like I just said, I did not, I have not really seen it other than one or two episodes, but I know so many people who love the show dearly. And uh, have always been like, Sarah, you need to watch it. Like, oh, this is, you know, like maybe one of my favorites um, of the Star Trek uh, universe. And so I'm really excited to get a chance to to watch it. And it felt like the right time that we had to sit down and <laughs> watch it, which we'll talk more about, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. But I'm so enjoying it. And so that is is very fun for me. Yeah, it's, it was so great to see it uh, through your eyes and to see you enjoying it. Because like I said, I watched it as it was broadcast, so a long time ago. And I've had my kind of standard five things that I believe and I say about Deep Space Nine when it comes up in conversation that, you know, it's a little bit more serialized. And I was it particularly it, it starts off a little bit more episodic, but really builds to being uh, serialized. And that was like mind blowing to me back in the day. And I, I always would say like every character is really strong out of the gate and there's not a big three. They're all important characters. And it's so great to go back and say, oh, I still see that. I still agree with those things. And then also just from age, from life, uh, just see so many things differently. Nothing negatively, mm-hmm. but just see like different nuances. You know, there are a lot of grumpy people on Deep Space Nine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And uh, being, you know, older now and having, I was a grumpy young person, but now I've got some uh, mileage to (laughs) back up my grumpiness. And I, oh man, I love the grump. Extra years of grump. Extra years of grump. It is hope and grump in Deep Space Nine. And I love it. Yeah. And the story arc is one of the things. So my older brother did watch it at least sometimes. um, And I remember watching one of the episodes and being like, I I don't get it. He's like. Sarah, come on. It's a story arc. This is like part three. I mean, if you haven't been watching it, of course, you're not going to get it. But that was probably like season four or five or something. It's like, okay, fair enough. And then I think I just didn't try. Okay. Yeah, no. And that's that was that's always why people shied away from that. That's why executives used to shy away from serialized storytelling, Mm -hmm. because like you needed people to tune in and have never met the characters and be able to drop in. Mm -hmm. But eventually that makes it so characters can never grow. Or change too much, right? Right, right. And for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to do serialized things. It was more like, I have 25 other things I'm supposed to be doing every single evening. So making this a priority just it wasn't. Right. No, yeah, of course. It, it of course. And that's kind of what happened to me at the end of just yeah. like, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have access anymore. And it was all, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Let's talk <laughs> about Star Trek. So what's your kind of big uh, helicopter view? What is your relationship with Star Trek? I know it was present in your life and it always seems like it's been a positive thing. What's your basic history with it? Yeah, so my my basic, um, you know, 50,000 acre view, I was just going to say. <laughs> it's so far away. Know, right? And it's all crops. Um, what's your 50,000 helicopter view? <laughs> There's 50,000 helicopters looking down on this. Way too noisy. Way too noisy. That's what I had to say about that. Um, so I I was aware of Star Trek. Um, I, I certainly watched, so like in terms of TV shows, Next Gen was the show that I watched, like I mentioned um, with my brother. Uh, I, I'm sure he started watching it earlier and I joined him in watching it. And, uh, you know, he was one who would remember to vcr it and i would have been at dance class or something so um you know 
to VCR it. I think we probably just said record it probably. back then. But yeah. now it, it, yeah. Now we say DVR is the verb, right? right? Sometimes. So, anyway, so he needed yeah. to VHS it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I also have very strong connections with um, the fourth movie. Okay. Voyage Home. Yeah. Yes. The Humpback Whale movie. Yeah, Star Trek Four, the yeah. one with the whale. The one with the whale, which is um so I think I saw it in a theater, probably. Okay. Um, and I think that was kind of a family excursion and my parents weren't necessarily big Chuckies, but I think my dad like had seen a few of the movies and liked them and, and I don't honestly you probably remember. saw the original show on television. At least a little bit, and I think, you know, um but it wasn't like, oh, they sat us down and we were like you need to watch this, children. Um, Kids, it's time to have the talk <laughs> that's right, that's about the five-year mission. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so I watched it. And then, like I said, I kind of, um, my my brother was older. He was no longer VCRing it for me. <laughs> um, I was busy with other things in life and then, you know, moved out and was doing other things, didn't always have a TV, and it just kind of fell out of my life. Yeah. Um, and... Have always enjoyed having, you know, like I have very positive associations with it, but I certainly have never felt like, oh, I have a deep knowledge of it or until this most recent rewatch or not rewatch watch for me. You know, I had never seen Voyager yeah. um, before this. I had basically never seen Deep Space Nine. And so getting a chance to see a little bit more of that world has been fun because that was not I just didn't have that background. Yeah. But you had a, a good, strong connection to Next Gen. Yes, abso- yeah. absolutely. Nice. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, for me, my uh, 50,000 acre helicopter view uh, <laughs> is, yeah, it was just, it was it was in the pantheon for me growing up, you know, young and nerdy, in the pantheon of things that there were was to love uh, in science fiction and in genre. Uh, but in particular, I remember my dad really liking it and like making a point to like sit down and watch this. You had the Star Trek talk. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite have the Star Trek talk. <laughs> Uh, I think he did. I think because I think every once in a while we. Uh, I think I sensed at a very young age the kind of vibe of connection between westerns that would be on like on Saturday afternoon that my dad would like to watch when he was uh, home on a Saturday afternoon because he he played in in bands. Uh, so he would often be out uh playing playing drums and rock and rolling. But when he was uh home on weekends, he would like say, "Hey, let's watch this, you know, John Wayne movie or whatever." Um. And I'm talking very, very young here. Mm-hmm. And I think I maybe because my dad liked both of them, but I think I connected early on that there were these these uh, feelings of let's go out and explore and honor is important. And, you know, uh, sometimes the, there's some shooting and there's some <laughs> tall rocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the big thing for me uh, was having that connection uh, to the original Star Trek Early on, having it be a nice bonding thing with my dad. I think I mentioned on a podcast recently, I have really strong memories in particular of my dad making us mac and cheese and watching a piece of the action, which is an original series episode where they're gangsters. And I thought that was really, really cool. Oh, wow. Um, And then there was so much hype around uh, the early movies uh, and there were action figures. And like, so I knew who Kirk and Spock were and I wanted their action figures and I you know, wanted them to meet Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and had that happen action figure wise. And uh, <laughs> I remember it, it, we didn't go to movies very often and it, it was like out of a sitcom. We desperately wanted to see Wrath of Khan because there had been the massive spoilers and spoiler if you've never seen Wrath of Khan, but Spock dies uh, and that there had it had been spoiled. And we were that was unbelievable 
to my brother and I. Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't happen that major characters died. Like, how could that be? Uh, And it was like out of a sitcom, like we went outside to kind of play and all the other kids were like, we we can't. Our parents are taking us to Wrath of Khan. <laughs> we're like, Dad, you have to take us to Wrath. So we went to just <laughs> dropped everything, which just didn't really happen, and went to Wrath of Khan. It was so amazing, so great. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and so then I was just kind of I was all in. Like we saw uh, Search for Spock, uh, the third one in the theater. Uh, by the time Voyage Home came out, I was a little bit older and really into nerdy stuff, and had posters and had you know it, you know it was kind of a part of my mental landscape. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting off the bus and walking home, knowing I was going to go see it that night, and thinking like, "I'm on my voyage home to go <laughs> see Voyage Home." Like I was, oh, I love it. I was pretty all in. And then when Next Generation was coming out, uh, there was all that like, you know, I it, there wasn't the internet, so I must have just been listening to like you know, random people talk on television, uh, um, like short little clips of interviews on news shows or entertainment tonight or reading it in, and TV guide. But I remember the being like, well, this probably isn't going to work. Star Trek without Kirk, Spock and McCoy. What's the point? I guess some idiots are trying. Uh, so I remember going into that of like, probably going to fail, you know, <laughs> uh, and then just getting hooked on it, uh, and really loving next generation being amazed, uh, that next generation, took off like uh, like and eventually it was i remember it being like by the time next generation was rolling then it was so successful that deep space nine came out and i love deep space nine and by the time i was old enough to start doing comedy a a really early uh sketch that i wrote was uh because i i you know had been in college and i had observed that there were people who were like that is a i am a stereotypical nerd (laughs) that person next to me is a stereotypical jock they are you know every signifier of that the big bulky you know the right haircut to fit into that stereotype letterman jacket like everything Mm -hmm. and they're like talking about like the episode where troy and Worf hook up like uh and in a like just like star trek's awesome kind of way and i remember it was one of the first things for me i was like oh wow the the nerd bubble isn't just the bubble so i wrote a sketch where like just some perfectly like stereotypical guy guy uh, buys a you know collectible a rare collectible next generation ornament uh, to give to his girlfriend who also just likes next generation and then like uh, there was an obsessive nerd character who needed it and in fact traveled back in time to try to steal it from the <laughs> ornament from the normal guy and it, the sketch was all about that like. I can't believe on one hand that the nerdy stuff I like is now popular, but also it suddenly creates these problems for me because (laughs) things are like limited and rare. And how do I deal with that? And the big joke of that was sketch is that the nerd character accidentally uh, uh, traveled back in time and changed things. And when he finally got the ornament, the ornament was for BG TNG Battlestar Galactica, the next generation, which, you know, wrote that long before Battlestar Galactica came back. Oh, that's fantastic. So, I mean, that's just kind of a a picture of the different ways that it has been in my life uh, for a long time. Yeah. You know, and many, many sketches. Yeah. Anyway, I could go on and on. Yeah. Can I bring up another? I did go on and on. Yeah. It was very interesting. That's amazing. And it's... um, I have lots of thoughts, but I have one in particular that I want to share, uh, which you reminded me. So I don't remember what year Voyage Home came out, but in the 80s sometime. 86, yeah. So I think that for 
years after that, every time my family went to a science center or aquarium or anything like that, and we moved multiple times like within the rest of the 80s, or like I went on a school field trip, I was always had that like, wait, is this the place where Spock saves the whale? (laughs) And that like, I have, I had totally forgotten about that, but I have such a strong uh, sense memory of walking up to like these big, impressive buildings and going, um, you know, not the Science Museum of Minnesota, because I knew that one, as we've talked about before, but like to these other places, especially as we were moving, uh, because we moved to the West Coast. And so I was like, well, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And none of them were it. But I I have that real strong connection with um, like big science museums and um, uh, places that like planetariums and uh, aquariums and you name it, all of them. I assumed that all of them were going to be connected to Star Trek and specifically Voyage Home somehow. That's great. So you walk in and go, is this the whale place. <laughs> is this my Voyage Home? I didn't say that, but I should have. That really makes sense that you would connect to Voyage Home because it is, it's got such a, men- a message of caring about the environment. And I, I feel like the comedy is so great to have the characters be very real um, mm-hmm. and, and be sort of fish out of water comedy without yeah. disrespecting them. Yeah, and I loved, I remember loving that, and I I have always had my little environmentalist heart, even from when I was very, very young, so. (laughs) Yeah, and I think because it is also the story of Spock kind of coming back to himself, there's something about it that just is is very healing, Mm -hmm. it just is a feeling, so that, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is not (laughs) the Voyage Home podcast, this is the general Star, Star Trek episode of Obsessed. Big picture, what do you enjoy about Star Trek? What is what is pleasing to you about it? Yeah, well, right now, um, you know, with having watched the the different shows, both new and older, that we've watched in the last year or so, I really, I really, truly am enjoying um, many things. <laughs> but one of them that just like in my core I'm enjoying is um, seeing multiple people characters uh species working together to solve problems (laughs) and i it you know maybe sounds cheesy but oh my gosh i think that is just like a little um balm on a wound in my soul uh right now then it just feels so wonderful to be like oh people talk and sometimes they don't agree and they have arguments and they still have fights and there's still battles and all of that. It's not like I want everything to just be like, today we're going to sit and talk about our feelings because that's not necessarily good TV for over and over and over again. But it's um, it's just, it's so varied and so um, inventive. And yet there's this, this core of humanity and this core in belief in a striving for, for betterment or for goodness um, yeah. And figuring out what that means to different people and species. But I, anyway, there, that's my, that's ramble number one about uh, what a, I really like about it. That's a great ramble. I print that ramble and put it on <laughs> all of the <laughs> VCR recordings of Star Trek. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely great. And I think particularly no reason to beat around the bush, particularly with what we're going through in America right now, where it feels like we are striving for just basic unity. Uh, basically mm-hmm. like hey we all agree on these very basic principles of people of all kinds absolutely being equal in deserving respect and 
needing to respect science and it's not enough to just survive we have to find a way to thrive mm-hmm. uh and, and so many forces pulling us back to just like nah greed me anger division and star trek is so about noble hard-working people who not only want to like kind of be them best be their best selves they want to go and explore they want to be proactive they want to go and do and learn and excel uh but they also like joy, and, and I think mm-hmm. that's there from the beginning. But really, it starts to I think shine in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. That like, uh, and and Voyager and that whole era really starts to shine. Of like, it's not enough to just like be the best at your job. You have to pursue joy. It's worth pursuing. Like mm-hmm. you know, one of the Next Gen episodes we rewatched is you know, there's that plot point where. You know, Riker, you know, the second in command of the ship also takes time uh, to play jazz and has a a separate special jazz shirt he puts on. And there's that (laughs) one jazz song he's still striving, striving to get right. And it's just like joy matters, too. Yeah. Like being fully fulfilled matters. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. And I think having all of that stuff uh, there is really powerful when... Uh, then contrasted with what you were talking about is these are kind of characters who are almost all, they're always flawed they're always struggling with something themselves mm-hmm. but they're also like working at the top of their game and they encounter actual difficult problems yeah. so like uh there's different different times of star trek that kind of portray starfleet and the federation as more of a utopia of we, we don't have that problem we don't have that problem but as you're watching the shows it is them facing really complicated problems. Mm-hmm. And I think even early on in Deep Space Nine, and some people are, you know, a little bit down on the first season. Like, yep, there's some episodes that aren't uh, the best or some episodes that are slow, but the characters are there. And right away, there are like big, meaty issues about what is the Federation exactly? They're just trying to mediate. And ideally, they'd like the Bajoran people to join the Federation, but the Bajoran people are understandably fractured and angry and tempted toward vengeance and the Cardassians are here just floating to take over this resource the wormhole they just found and everybody's just trying to navigate all those things and no one's uh, you know trying to oversimplify anything yeah you're, you're right. watching these people who are kind of who have worked hard particularly you know that's the story of the Federation and of Starfleet of like you work hard and you mm-hmm. know what you're doing like you just to be there at all you have to be like amazing and you mm-hmm. have to have worked for it. And not inherently amazing. Like you have to have worked for it to better yeah. yourself. And even though these people are all great, they still constantly encounter problems. They're like, that's really morally complex and ambiguous. And we really need to figure it out. And we really need to decide what is unacceptable to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's such a sense of honor about these complex problems. Yeah. Yeah. And yet within that, like you said, they're all flawed Characters, and they make mistakes. Like, they don't always come up with, like, by the end, they've got the right answer. But they do make mistakes, and then they learn from those mistakes and try to apply things differently or things change and what the situation is changes. And you see them trying to adapt, and I just, I feel like all of that complexity is, um, it just provides a really rich um, place for storytelling. Yeah, 
I think maybe that's a, the shortest way for me to say it is I'm really appreciating seeing characters who live considered lives. Mm, no, that's beautiful. Like they've made personal choices for their life, but there's this expectation that uh, people have a perspective on ideas within society. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, that's some of the frustration with, uh, you know, how we've, that I've been talking about lately about politics, mm-hmm. where politics has been like the, uh, it's annoying and it's just fights that you have at the dinner table and it's just flame wars on social media. So anytime you can't think about, anytime you can get away from thinking about or talking about politics, great. And like Star Trek is this world where like, hey, what is your opinion on X? Well, the philosophy of Starfleet is this and this and this. And then through my personal experience, I truly believe this and this and this. However, this other culture views it differently. Like its ideas are worth grappling with. Yeah. And you don't, you, I mean, characters have their individual perspectives. And so there's things like they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about that. But in general, you're being shown a world where ideas matter. You should have a perspective on things. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I like that. And I'm also still just thinking about your uh, considered lives phrase. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I guess I just mean that like both personally and like, what is the society I have, you know, made the choice to join and what does our society has this perspective on death why it's mm-hmm. important for me to know that because i'm going to talk to another society about death and they might disagree and we might disagree in a way that's problematic for us so i must understand why my society believes the things that it does about death and whether or not i personally agree like mm-hmm. that's what i mean by considered life yeah you know? no i lo- i love it i gonna paint it on our walls oh, just well, so you. you know live a considered <laughs> life in red paint right I was actually picturing like a <laughs> blue aquamarine, like the color of the wormhole. I think that's much better. If you want One of the colors, paint I a wormhole on our wall. I wish I had that talent. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then just the, especially the next generation era going forward, just the bottom line, there are hardworking nerds who also like to LARP. Uh, I mean, just go play <laughs> little role playing games. And that's great. Um, do you have favorite characters over the years or, you, or characters that you've gravitated toward from all the different shows we've watched i do but i have so many of them i could fill an entire school bus (laughs) i really like that as a unit of measurement (laughs) i've got a school bus of favorites when it comes to star trek so why don't you uh, tell me who is in the first couple seats who's driving the school bus oh well i mean driving that's a whole separate question (laughs) (laughs) who's the best pilot in star trek who would do the best piloting a school bus i'm gonna think about the piloting the school bus um so certainly i i have have always been a picard fan i just am a huge fan of uh captain jean-luc picard so he absolutely gets a seat on the bus yep Um, he likes nuance and tea two things that you love he does he does um data also Mm -hmm. always has been um a favorite um seven of nine Mm. Really, really enjoyed um, getting to finally see that when I, because I'd heard a lot about Voyager before actually watching Voyager. Um, Spock gets to have a seat on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, right now, we're, my brain is full right now of Deep Space Nine characters just because we're watching Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to take that whole. Um, top what's it called command uh, level command level yeah like they're all coming like cisco's coming <laughs> um I, i'm kira's coming 
Odo's definitely coming. Quark. Abs is like, I really like Quark. Um, I, who am I leaving? Dax? How could I not leave him Dax? Dax? Bashir? I mean, come on. They're all, they're all coming. Oh, oh, does O'Brien make it oh, on the O'Brien bus? O'Brien absolutely makes it on the bus, <laughs> as does Kiko. Um, as does um, uh, blinking at Jake. Jake. Um, Nog? Is Nog on the bus? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nog's on the bus more because he's Jake's friend. So, but I—he's endearing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I and I could do the same going on and on with yeah. with e- each of the different shows and casts. I don't mean to only be focusing on on Deep Space Nine. I just um, I think that's the richness of not of all of the shows that I have seen is that there are so many characters, and on different days or in different episodes, you relate to different ones. Like I don't find like oh, I just relate to this character. Right. Like, Sometimes I would relate to Riker, sometimes to um, Counselor Troy. And like, there's always such a, just such a, a richness and diversity of characters. Yeah. I want, I want all of them on the bus. <laughs> okay. I think that is a great answer. <laughs> I think that, uh, yes, we, Star Trek is a big topic for us to talk about. <laughs> so every, every question that we're going to look at could be an hour long podcast by itself. Yeah. Uh, so I, I understand your bus is full. But just for fun, can you pull out one character that you're thinking about a lot now? It, you know, because I, I take your point that you you kind of uh, rotate through them and you relate to him in at different times or different moments. But what's one character that you have are either relating to now or remember having a specific bond with in the past? Um. So one, and this is uh, you're gonna have to help me with the character's name. Oh yeah. Um. The partial Borg child from. Voyager, oh, or not yeah. child, but like a teenager. Yeah, I am spacing. I'm spacing the character's name. Eneb, Enteb, something like that. Yes. Um, for whatever reason, has been on my mind a lot uh, lately. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me more about that. Just kind of, um, more just like in in um passing flashes, as opposed to like deep thinking about, um, thinking about the character, but just kind of the idea of. I think some of the ideas of like, what is that to be. Wind changes are forced upon you. I mean, it's very similar to some of the Seven of Nine story, but, um, you know, kind of wind changes forced on you and how do you react to that and how do you react to change and what's coming back the, um, uh, you know, can you go back to where you were and what are the changes, what are the um, the impacts upon you? Egypt. Right, Egypt. right, right. That's what the thank you. Thank yeah. you, thank you. So you were saying that, uh, that, journey is visceral that he goes on right of not not being sure where he wants to be and who he wants to be because he's gone through this trauma and it has he's adapting to a new identity yeah exactly and just kind of what the impacts are on um on him of the experiences that he's had and it's just i think it's such a uh i think you just use the word visceral and i think that's maybe part of it is because everybody has that we see in these um shows has you know they all have different experiences happening to them whether they want them or not um and they do change them but this is one where you can actually both see the change and see some of the then changing away from that yeah and see kind of how he's accepted or not both by others and by himself yeah and i just i just find that whole um really kind of making that process something that you can visually see i know it's you yeah know, but like but to make it so um to have such a visual 
um, yeah. expression. There's yeah. the word I'm looking a for. A visual expression. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense because I think Star Trek has a long history of doing uh, straightforward metaphors. It's, you know, it's uh, uh, analogies, right? Uh, allegories. Uh, you know, there's the famous uh, original uh, series episode where Frank Gorshin plays a species that is black on one side and white on the other. And he's, you know, his uh, his sides are flipped and therefore he's, you know, unacceptable. So it's like from modern view, like a pretty like that's a very direct. OK, uh, but characters like Ichab, I feel like is really about like coming of age, being a young teenager going into adulthood. And it's mm-hmm. just this incredibly intensified, traumatic version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Heading toward this more healthy happy place mm-hmm. eventually yeah yeah but it's a real complicated version of it and yeah I, I just kind of i think maybe that's part of it is seeing getting to see in a show that is not geared toward teenagers specifically a complicated teenager yeah awesome yeah he, he, very complicated <laughs> yeah. uh for my bus my yeah. star trek who's bus. on your star trek bus uh, well you know i would be lying when saying kirk i mean kirk mm-hmm. was an early influence and and i think they kirk as a character uh, has become a little bit of a parody of himself in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's fascinating to go back and watch the original series and you're like, oh, that's where that came from. And some of it like being like, yep, no, that's there. Other like, But we've forgotten all these other nuances of the character. And, you know, I think, you know, I grew up with Kirk. Uh, so uh, there's definitely a part of that. And I think the Kirk in the rebooted, uh, starting with, you know, the 2009 J.J. Abrams film, I really like uh that character interpretation as well mm-hmm. um, of somebody who is mm. very qualified, but also very restless and really excels when they see things from this kind of different point of view, I think is an interesting character. Yes. And I had totally forgotten to remember to include those <laughs> films. Goodness. Yeah, I know there's so much. <laughs> uh, then in the next generation era, uh, data was just, I love data so, so much, so critical to, updating star trek and mm-hmm. having uh we got to have enough of these same themes that have been a big part of star trek up to this point so that idea of i think i want to be human what is it to be human it's such great and he's so likable and so funny while also so believably playing blank you know mm-hmm. and, and you know he never is blank but you feel like yeah you know exactly yeah, what i mean i do uh i've always had a soft spot for riker because he is also both really honorable and likable but has this sort of comic flair where he's a bit much <laughs> in a really great way obviously picard uh from discovery uh which we've only watched the first season and it's been on a while but it really likes saru i thought saru mm-hmm. was a really great character with his fear ganglia uh it was a, just a great different take um i really like the doctor on voyager I always thought that emergency yeah. medical hologram was a great idea. Another approach to that, like, I'm just a hologram, but I do want to continue existing, and I am an important part of the crew, and just such another great way to uh, explore humanity and valuing everyone, mm-hmm. um, and just funny and snarky and yeah, you know, well acted and all those things. Uh, and then I'm just, I am so obsessed with Deep Space Nine right now. It's just, <laughs> uh, I one of the things I've always loved about it is all of those characters are so incredibly well developed, mm-hmm. right? And, and really, it's right true. Away and yeah. interesting takes on a lot of the Star Trek ideas of how are we going to approach them. Um, and in particular, um, I always liked all of them, but uh, I'm really appreciating Odo, mm-hmm. his particular journey on like 
kind of wants to be more human, but more than that, he just wants to be whoever he is and whatever he is. And uh, we're only in the second season in our rewatch, but he's got that. There's that uh, episode where he is recording a uh, his you know Starfleet logs and is kind of grumpy about it, and says like just justice <laughs> matters to me. You know, maybe that's something inherent in whatever I am. I don't know if that's too personal for a Starfleet log. And like that yeah. level of introspection and just that grump and just like that drive for justice in organization. Like <laughs> I want to rust killers and probably dust. And also I sleep in a bucket because I turn into liquid and I have anxiety about it. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. I love Odo. Um, I always like Cisco, but I didn't quite when I was younger fully appreciate what a great and interesting character uh, he is. Like, I, I liked him, and I, you know, I've had many nerd fights where I'm like, nah, I didn't think Cisco's up there for, you know, best captain, best leader. Um, but seeing again, like, from fresh eyes, like, the importance of how defined he is by being a father mm-hmm. and by being a survivor of, of having lost his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just day to day, as we watch every episode, he's got, he's, you know, he's got a lot of honor. He's got that sense of, you know, adventure and a sense of duty and a lot of things that the other Captain characters have. But I just love the, that he seems to be aware that I'm not going to back down from my opinion. And one of my the one of my most important skills in my quiver of skills is my presence. And I just love watching him just stare somebody down and just say, that seems like a bad idea. It's just like slow and calm and just like the, I think there's something right now that is very gratifying about watching somebody who is flawed and does struggle with stuff. And we know that from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, the the pilot is about him struggling with his trauma. Yeah. But to know that in the big picture, he is very clear on his convictions. Like he listens, he'll change if there's new information, but he's so clear in his convictions and he's just like, I plant my feet and I'm not going to move and I'm going to let you know that by the sheer power of my presence mm-hmm. <laughs> is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely uh, agree with that. And then the big one that I w- want to talk about uh, right right in the front of the bus is uh, Dr. Julian Bashir. Come on. <laughs> I loved him the first time that I watched it. And it's so fascinating again to see with a little bit older eyes. I just thought it was so great that you know, by this time it was that this was the third cast, as it were, in my mind, because mm-hmm. you had the original crew, then you had Next Generation, and I, and then Deep Space Nine. So I was still kind of looking at it from an archetype framework. Yeah. Right. And like the Next Generation thing was amazing. It was like, oh, they gave the Kirk character the I love life and spicy foods, and I want to experiment sexually. That guy is second in command. Cool. Great. And Riker develops and becomes much more than. A, a Kirk mm-hmm. clone by all means, but archetype wise. Right. Uh, and I just remember going like uh, the, the Kirk archetype is a nerdy suave doctor. <laughs> who's also a little socially awkward, you know, and now I don't, I don't see it in that frame in that sort of paradigm, but I did then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now to just be able to fully appreciate all the nuances of his character, if he's clearly somebody who, uh, has anxiety and excels for himself to prove himself and is like, you know, the best doctor ever, but also kind of wants to be good at, you know, weird space squash and also <laughs> really is excited to like fully experience 
life and wants to, you know, meet lots of different people and, you know, uh, very clearly at the beginning wants to have sexual experiences mm-hmm. <laughs> with lots of different people. But it all and there are definitely some jokes that are, are come across as like, oh, he's trying to be a Lothario. But to me, the character comes across ultimately as somebody who does just want to experience life and mm-hmm. truly deeply know other people. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. So, how how do you feel about Bashir? I I'm really <laughs> <laughs> this is this a quiz? Uh, <laughs> no. no, I'm really enjoying Bashir, and it's it's fun because you did tell me uh, I can't remember if it was before the first episode or after the first episode. I think it was after because I didn't I want to after. cloud your perceptions yeah. of it. Yeah, but I like I knew after the first one that how much you liked Bashir. Wait, and it, it makes so much sense. <laughs> um, because I think there's a, a joie de vivre that he has that I that I see in you. Um, and wanting to experience life and wanting to do things really well and, and all of those aspects. Not I would not say, you know, like one-to-one match, <laughs> no. which is a good thing. No, there's some uh, parts of his character that I just described that do not describe. That is very true. Um, but no, I mean, I find him endearing. <laughs> that sounded a little like the Minnesota version of the word interesting. Oh. I find him interesting. Oh. He's endearing. No, I actually mean it like to me endearing is a high compliment. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I see endearing as like, yeah, there's some things about a person that like if he's on one of his I won't stop talking rambles, it might get a little annoying, but you love him anyway because you know who he is, you know who your friend is. Like, yeah. I can absolutely, I absolutely see him as a vital part of that crew as a very endearing character. And I think it would be fantastic to be friends with Bashir. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, I think that's a, part of what I like him about is, is he is like, he's got sort of off-duty Bashir where he will interview you and, you know, he will chat you up. Uh, but as soon as there's a problem, he's like, I'm a medical expert. Yeah. I've got your back. Oh, do you need to fight? Great. Let's fight. Like... He's there for you. Uh, so I, I I like that complexity of the character. Yeah. And then I also just really like, there's that relatively early episode uh, where he and O'Brien get sent on a mission together. And O'Brien, kind of more meat and potatoes guy, doesn't want to go with Bashir. And you're like, well, okay, why does he hate him so much? And then Bashir's basically like interviewing him. He's basically like doing a podcast in the shuttle. Yep. Yep. <laughs> asking like his version of conversation is a bunch of, asking a bunch of open-ended questions to better <laughs> understand uh, O'Brien. And for some reason, I related to that. <laughs> Even long before podcasts existed. He was doing the pod. If Deep Space Nine had a podcast, <laughs> Bashir would be running it. All right. Uh, let's move on to just talking about some different things, some fun things. Uh, the show has always, starting with the original series, had a focus on emotion versus logic in kind of balancing those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have? Do you ever have a strong response to that theme where you find yourself being more emotional or more logical? Do you think of yourself more as the Spock data or do you think of yourself more as the uh the Kirk Picard <laughs> oh um I don't know if I think of myself more as uh, either of those but I have absolutely do see that kind of um I'm sorry, the exact two words that you used were logical versus... Emotional. Emotional. Yeah. <laughs> what? Tell me this. Input it. Input it. <laughs> um, but I do, I mean, for myself, that I do see myself very much as somebody who can 
be kind of in the middle and can waver very much one direction or the other. And I think uh, different people who know me in different scenarios would probably peg me very much in one or the other, um, depending on how they know me. Yes. And I don't know that I would always accurately guess who would put me in which category. But just like that whole idea, I think that is why characters like Spock and Data always uh, were intriguing to me because I feel like they're really playing with what is Data more than Spock, um, at least for with what I've seen, um, with that idea of where is that line, you know, what is logical versus emotional. And, uh, you know, for for Data, he doesn't have the understanding intuitively of the emotional but you get it with everything around him. So, yeah, no, I feel like that is probably one of the core reasons why Star Trek, especially Next Generation, spoke to me so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that makes a lot of sense because you are a very professional person when you want to be. <laughs> uh, and you, because of your years of dance training, you have amazing posture. And like, yes, you are always emotionally alive. But if you are doing something professional and you are getting business done you are always pleasant but there is a admirable level of spock or data like <laughs> precision right where you're asking things and you're getting answers and thank you and i did that and uh some of the things that you've really excelled at uh doing stage managing i think it, it is that the part of spock and data that is glorious that made uh, performers love you as a stage manager because they ask you for something and you make it happen. You, he's like, here's a problem. And then without any drama or emotion, <laughs> it goes away, you know? And, that, and I don't mean that in any sort of, uh, you know what I mean by no emotion. I do. You know, I think, and I think that is, um, it's, it's fun to play around with those ideas of like, you know, obviously emotions and logic are a part of us as humans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how we calibrate ourselves mm-hmm. and how we can kind of calibrate ourselves against characters, you know, and yeah. say, walking into a situation and going like, do I want to be Spock about this or do I want to be, you know, a quirk? <laughs> right. <laughs> do I want to be McCoy? Do you like, yeah. 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 I mean, I actually, people who are I think, very in touch with their emotions, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, quirk has a lot of different things he's in touch with, but I think that's kind of a great uh, approach like. Especially if you're approaching social situations, like okay, <laughs> where do I set the dial? Data versus versus Quark. <laughs> yeah, do I talk uh, to this person like Bashir interviewing them on a podcast, or do I plant my feet and have some presence like Cisco? Like, yeah, <laughs> so many great things. Uh, if you were in Starfleet, what do you think you might want to specialize in? Oh my gosh! Oh, well, that's a hard one. Um. Because everything, <laughs> all of it. Well, mm, and I, I would say probably, okay, if I wanted to, if I then also magically had the skills to do that, I think either the science officer or the doctor. Interesting. Now, why? Because those things are interesting. <laughs> Because I think I can't get aside from myself enough to be like, oh, the engineer would not be, that would not be me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you that. have mechanical aptitude, but it's not a joy, right? It It's a joy. It's a joy when I understand it, but I, I, I reach my rage threshold 
way too quickly with <laughs> things when I don't understand them. Yeah, I don't think it's... Uh, Jordy seems to struggle to get mad. He gets huffy every once in a while. He right? does. But, he does. And actually, I was thinking of this when you were talking about who was on your bus, but I do need to say Jordy is absolutely on my bus. Uh, because get Jordy on the bus. Jordy was absolutely one of my other favorite, favorite characters. Yeah. So I cannot leave Jordy off the bus. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of thinking one of those two. Okay. Um, although, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by Quarks. So maybe running the saloon on the non-Federation Space station. Yeah, okay, so uh, running that's a that's a <laughs> medical okay. That you have the skill set to do that and, and that's I, great. I, I don't, but I'm uh, where this is a world where I yeah, would well, be you able trained to do for that. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think anyway. Uh science officer, did you say? I did. Yeah. So I, a lot of times I mean the science officer sometimes has to come up with something really clever, but a lot of the science officer is scanning stuff and saying what it is, right? But would that, you enjoy that? Uh, maybe. I can try it for a few days and see. I mean, because you're out there, you're seeing what's out there, you're discovering. It's really um, like uh, jumping with both feet into that that spirit of discovery. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably not remembering all of the things that all of the different roles do. But like to me, that seems like, yeah, absolutely. That would be a fantastic um, role to have yeah. on the bridge. Um, but also, I li- like the idea of the doctor because I... I like the idea of being able to help people, but also um, and characters and species and learn new things and, you know, kind of have to have some knowledge, but also always be willing to learn new things. And for both of them, I think there's that need to um, connect dots and sometimes sometimes dots that are not necessarily sequential need to be connected to come to the right answer. Yeah. Which is maybe why those appeal to me more than the engineering. Because the engineering one has to be the right answer or you just blew up the entire ship. <laughs> and I don't want to blow up the ship. I, I would not <laughs> want to be the engineer. And I would not want to be on a ship that I was the engineer of. <laughs> or a space station. Extremely dangerous. Yeah. yeah. But running the saloon would be really fun too. Okay, let's talk about that. You yeah. mentioned you, you're, you're surprised by your own love of Quark. Yeah. Why do you... let? I mean, or, or is, it, is it just Quark or does Guinan also running 10 forward on on the enterprise or is it is, it's more quark's bar on the promenade it's that you're more gravitating quark's to. Bar. tell I mean, me about nothing why. nothing against uh anyone else um <laughs> <laughs> can't believe this guinan slander it's not what it is um i don't there's just something he to, i was gonna say he's so endearing <laughs> <laughs> but he is because he's I think part of his like for at least for Quark um, this is not necessarily uh, connecting to why I would want to run um, a saloon on the bridge of the non-Federation uh, space station but um, he's just he's so much he's so much himself mm-hmm. and I feel like and I, I think that's I really enjoy that but he's also very good at that like he plays that game of, okay, which version of myself am I with this person? Yeah. And right now, and oh, I thought I was going to be the wrong person uh, or the right person, but then something shifted and I wasn't. And you see him trying to backtrack and cover it. And I just, I find it fascinating to watch. I just really, really enjoy it. Um, and I don't have a better <laughs> explanation than that. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite moments, actually, just of him like being able to be like on the fly of, uh, is when um, 
Nog gets in trouble. Yeah. And is saying something to Odo. And he happens, Cork happens to be walking in the door. He's like, and he's like, my uncle, he's like, would never be say that was okay. Like he just walks in right on cue, literally, but like, yeah, you believe it. Yeah. And he, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he's, there's a great, uh, there's a savvy to him that I think he knows his perspective very well. Mm-hmm. He, there's definitely a, he has a heart of, uh, of gold press latinum. Uh, he yep. wants gold press latinum and that's his very clear motivation, but he also like clearly does care about people and observes the hell out of people. Yeah. And it's usually so he can profit because that's who he is. That's his culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it keeps coming into play of like, but I can actually help out in this situation because I have observed people and I understand people. Yeah. 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 And I find that fascinating. So and it's all of those things more than, you know, the rules of acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. Although those are interesting, but those are not like, oh, yes, let me learn more rules of acquisition. <laughs> yeah, I want to profit more. Uh, yeah, I think for myself, maybe Captain, but mm-hmm. I can't tell if that's just like a, a vestigial fantasy of a little kid of one, wanting to be the captain. But like, of course, I think I like being in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. I particularly love being in a leadership role when everybody uh, who is working with me is <laughs> really awesome and cares like. So when I think of being like captain, I'm like, am I, are you, why are you being an egomaniac? And then I think sometimes like some of my most joyful times doing creative work is uh, in my theater career when I had a great cast who was all in, mm-hmm. who really cared about the script, had ideas about the script, wanted to dig in and come up with solutions and, you know, that kind of thing where I could, where there was enough trust where I could say, ah, I, I think I know what I want, but I'm not sure if it's right or I'm not sure how to accomplish it. And then have a bunch of people go, here's here's seven ideas of how to do that. You know, and sometimes if you have a like bad uh, situation uh, doing theater or on a starship, <laughs> you know, asking for help is, you know, some somebody who's angry or fearful that will be a crack to, you know, right. push mm-hmm. back on something. Uh, so, like, being a captain of a great crew who all wants to come up with the same solutions, that'd be awesome. Uh, or ship's counselor. Oh, yeah. I would be happy to be ship's counselor during the day and then run the saloon with you at night because they're both a kind of <laughs> yeah. counseling. Well, I was going to say, like, you should be the ship's counselor located directly next to the, my ship's saloon. Oh, yeah. My yeah. space station saloon. Your space yeah. station saloon. Mm-hmm. We, got a, we got a problem. Very- a problem. We got a plan. <laughs> That's a weird one. <laughs> You're going to have to go talk to yourself now. I think I was thinking about uh, not wanting to be problematic of being like, well, uh, I hope I can help you. And if not, my wife runs a saloon. <laughs> that would be problematic. <laughs> um, we were talking a little bit about this just now with uh, Quark being a representation of the Ferengi. Uh, there are so many different species uh, and, and cultures in Star Trek, but some of the big ones are this really fun uh, experiment of taking a human attribute and kind of going, what if that was the primary motivating, animating belief or mm-hmm. perspective of a whole culture? Like the Klingons are all about, you know, aggression and honor. Uh, and the Fringi eventually, they start out as, as scary bad guys, uh, but they're eventually all about capitalism. What if you were all about capitalism? That was your driving force. Vulcans are all about logic. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any sort of like, human attribute that you would like to see developed into its own culture like that? Oh my gosh. Such a good question. My mind is going blank. Um, I, goodness. Well, 
I mean, so we also have empathy already with um, what's Troy's the betazoids. The betazoids. Yeah. Our empaths. Yeah. Empaths. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking through what what are human attributes. <laughs> what are other human what attributes? Are human attributes. Um, has there been any characters based on um, being all about sense of smell? <laughs> not that I am aware of. Uh, you know, I yeah. do not have. I am not the uh, data bank. I'm not memory alpha, which is the <laughs> wiki for Star Trek. Uh, but I, th- I think I would like to see what that exploration would be. Interesting. So uh, what I get that being a heightened sense, right? So they could probably tell things about certain species who give off certain smells based on certain emotions, or they could certainly tell when the humans in this room are hot or stressed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you think that would animate their culture? How would, how would that change your perspective of your galaxy, uh, of the galaxy? How would that change your perspective on exploration or, you know, marriage or death? Like, how would it ripple out? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be, I think it has the potential to change a lot of things because maybe some planets they would just avoid because they have a smell that is offensive yeah. to their culture. And, you know, maybe to most um, species, Space doesn't have a smell, but maybe maybe it's not quite smell, but maybe they do have uh, this developed sense that they do kind of smell space. Interesting. And so, you know, maybe it's, you know how like you can smell rain when it's really dry? Like maybe there's something like if they need something, they can smell where to go to find it, yeah. even if it's light years away. Oh. You know, like maybe it's not just about like the, the one-to-one interaction, but more big picture interaction with the universe like they can smell the tides of space and time yeah or like they can smell that a famine is coming this year so they need to figure out where they're going to get more food okay because they can like smell the planet itself yeah they can smell the nutrients in the ground Mm -hmm. that's really interesting yeah like just a whole different way of interacting with with a planet and with the other species and with the universe that's uh, maybe more than one step away from humanoid, but oh yeah, but that's really I I think that's what I really like is it it is this this path through both empathy and challenges, right? Because then if if that was a species that like we can handle problems because we are so in tune because of our sense of smell, it connects us to nature. Mm-hmm. We're so in tune with it, and then we meet these humans who think they're so advanced, and they use their sense of smell to like not drink things that are sour, like. That's what you, that's all the more advanced you are. Right? Like I can stand here and smell what's on, or, you know, be on this space station and smell what's on the other side yeah. of the wormhole. Yeah. I know somebody just got murdered, you know, <laughs> a mile away on the space station and you can barely pick up that perfume of the person in the room with us. Like what is wrong with you, you know? Yeah. And how our own abilities, you know, and that's so much what Star Trek is about is saying like, I understand where my beliefs come from and I honor them and I want to understand where your beliefs come from and honor them. And inevitably there's going to be some things that we're going to have a hard time, you know, agreeing about, but let's try to meet halfway, you mm-hmm. know, and and to get that everything from like, just like spinning out of uh, what, a, what about a sense of smell? Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What would you have? Oh, you know, uh, I think. I always am interested in fiction in uh, characters who care a lot about art, mm. you know, because it's, it's always it can be a challenging thing to do storytelling wise to be like because that's not necessarily a dynamic character of like what motivates you like well poetry like okay well <laughs> in the story uh, get to you know so I don't know hey, get out somebody 
a species who needs and again i don't know every star trek thing you know by heart and there's been been things that dance around this but like characters who need everything to be artistic mm-hmm. so it's like if the federation wants to get a treaty with them it the their presentation has to be literally beautiful mm-hmm. it has to have an aesthetic point of view of like you can't just offer me what you think why you think we have why you think we should join the federation like you have to put on a show and it has to be meaningful and aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. <laughs> it has I to be a piece that. of art you yeah. know if you're going to present us with a treaty yeah that would be really fun then in the more jokey side of it there's been you know uh, a goes back to a piece of the action and other stuff of like uh, cultures that grew up around just having reference to one piece of pop culture. And uh, I've always thought it was funny that like a library ship would explode in space and all the planets in this sector would get a different book and then they would base their entire culture on that. (laughs) I would would love the, uh, the Pride and Prejudice culture that like our entire culture is based on Pride and Prejudice and all of us are always trying to be the Bennett while looking for the Darcy. Like, that's who we are. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love that idea. Uh, if you could have one Star Trek technology, out of these, which would you pick? Replicator, transporter, or holodeck? Transporter. Transporter. Yeah. Why? Because that, I feel like that is uh, I, that is always what I want. <laughs> I want to go places. <laughs> you want to go places, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I just, the thought of being able to transport places you know whatever the whatever the rules are of how close or far or whatever you need to be yeah um i love travel i hate traffic (laughs) i just uh there's there's lots of people who live in lots of different parts of the country in the world that i wish i could see at all right now or more often but computer um be me to edinburgh that would be nice right yeah yeah so yeah that that's a hands-down one for me i get yeah are you going to join me at the transporter or not well, so much? Oh, wow. Well, I did not expect you to phrase it that way. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I have to be. I would. Well, so I gravitate towards holodeck, uh, I think, because of the fantasy of adventure. The fan, Like, particularly the way it's used in, you know, Next Generation when it really mm. begins. And it is about. And there's some great DS9 episodes I'm not going to tell you about. Um, uh, about getting to live inside fiction you love yeah right and trying to get to be the characters that you grew up reading about you yeah. know and in a sort of convincing way uh is really that's really appealing to me i mean i know that we have vr and it's getting a little closer to holodeck <laughs> <laughs> uh but i holodeck or transporter replicators nice but yeah our food's pretty good anyway yeah so maybe this you have the holodeck i have the transporter but i can say two to transport yeah. And you can invite me into your holodeck should you care to. That's right. And if the transporter is <laughs> broken and we can't go to Edinburgh, I'll set it up in the holodeck. Perfect. And either way, we're going to Edinburgh. <laughs> I'd rather really go to Edinburgh. Um, if one Star Trek character could travel back in time and be president of the United States, who would you want it to be? Oh, wow. The whale? <laughs> I guess that would be uh, forward in time. But. Um. Honestly, right now, oh gosh, that's a that's a good one, and so many people are flitting through my brain so quickly. I'm gonna say Cisco. Yeah, yeah. I think it's partially because I'm watching Deep Space Nine. I mean, that's right part of now, it for me and, too. and so in Cisco mode. But I think there's also 
It's not like Kirk and Picard and certainly Janeway. Janeway's they yeah. all stand their ground and all the new characters are meeting in Discovery. Great. Mm-hmm. Um uh obviously not. Uh, we're not we've only watched the first season so we're not is all in on Discovery right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both yeah. enjoyed it, but it's just a point of knowledge. Right. Um but I think just because I'm watching Cisco right now and how much Cisco it feels like Cisco will absolutely say no to things that need to be uh, to be said no to. Like today, as we're recording this, there's a video going around uh, of, uh, I believe, um, I'm going to get my Earth terminology entirely wrong, so I'm just going to say the second in command in New Zealand. Uh, and of doing a sort of, uh, I think, town hall event in a, basically a COVID denier stands up and is basically like, show me these four fact points to, to prove that it exists. And, and he's just like, no, 220,000 people are dead. Sit down. And it's just like, let's let's not entertain any of that. And I think Cisco has that energy to me of like, if somebody brings a real concern to me, I will take it seriously. And my position might change. I am a thoughtful, honorable human being. Mm-hmm. But if you come here with your, you know, basic fact, you know, science denying alternate reality, no right uh there is the door goodbye Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a calm firm voice Mm -hmm. sounds so nice right now right yeah yeah all right i'm gonna ask you just a couple how obsessed are you questions okay ready yeah uh do you want a star trek poster in our home if it were the right poster yeah it's a challenge in the right right location Ooh. uh what is what do you mean by the right location well our apartment isn't huge it is very small and so I feel like um, we have to be extra judicious about yeah. what we put up. All right. So on the ceiling of our bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But um, we do have a Star Wars poster up. Yes, we do. And um, we're probably going to have more. And I would be happy to have a Star Trek poster up near the Star Wars poster. Okay. If it were the right poster. Okay. Okay. This is controversial. Yeah. Because it's not maybe the most identifiable with Star Trek overall. Yeah. But I really love the pictures that were they were using for advertising Picard. Oh, yeah. Uh, Picard looking at his vineyard. Oh, yeah. No, and yeah, like, with the big Starfleet logo, yeah. I would absolutely have that one up. Oh, yeah. I'd be I'd be all for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, is there any Star Trek merch that you want that you would feel like this would be a fun way for me to express uh, that this journey that we're going on? I um, Not that I can think of right now except that poster. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I have been having that, like, you know, maybe I should look into any sort of a vintage action figures. Maybe I need mm-hmm. an action figure of one, one character yeah. sitting around on a desk with the other action figure friends. Yeah. Or a shirt. I don't have a good Star Trek shirt. Oh, yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I'll have to, I'll look into that. Yeah. Uh, would you want to go to a Star Trek only convention? I would consider it, but I will be very honest. I would, it would depend a lot on how it was set up. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it would have to be virtual that goes with that. Of course, yes. (laughs) Um, This is in the better future that is coming. Yeah. I think, so I, I really enjoy Star Trek and I, and I have always thought of myself as a person who enjoys Star Trek, even when I didn't watch it for many years, but there's so much of it and I am absolutely a, I enjoy it to the level that I enjoy it, but I am not a deep core fan and I would want to be able to go to the convention and feel like I can be here and kind of 
if what I want to do is bop along the surface, I can bop along the surface yeah. and I don't need to deep dive and, you know, go pearl fishing. <laughs> <laughs> How many metaphors can I throw in here um, to be able to attend? I, I think that I think I have a little bit of like instant instinctual fear of just like, I don't want to be gate kept out of that. Yes, I I feel that same way too, and I think it's a it's a weird place that we've gotten ourselves into, culturally. Uh, I mean, us in the big picture mm-hmm. of you you heard me prattling about it about how young I was introduced to this. Um, I had I forgot I had uh, like one tape of like the Star Trek audio adventures that weren't even Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. But I still I listen to those again and again. There's wow. the one where they run into a dinosaur. I can hear that dinosaur roaring in my mind. I <laughs> uh, got I believe I can't remember where I got Iron On Starfleet insignia that I remember like being just thinking Iron On was magic. And again, like that is not the kind of thing my parents did all the time. But like very young, my parents taking the time to iron that onto something for me. Like yeah, it has been with me for a long time. I've I wrote about this in my book. Uh, the comedy of doom that I put out a long time ago about the experience of it's like in junior high by now. And I had a star Trek picture in my bedroom and like four or five other kids came over to work on a school project. And you know, the girl I liked was like, you should take that down if you ever, you know, want a girl to like you. And it was like, Rrr. and I didn't, it was like, damn it. Mm-hmm. I like star Trek. And then years later I saw her post on Facebook about how much she loves star Trek. All things change. <laughs> it's all fine. They do. My point of this did ramble you send is... send her the poster? <laughs> no, but I almost did the... But, but, but. And like, for God's sakes. <laughs> who knows what she was going through that she had that perspective. Maybe she yes. liked Star Trek then and what didn't feel comfortable saying it. You never know. True. My point in this ramble is, I feel like in my heart of hearts, it's been with me for a long time. I've been out of it. I, I'm not I'm not in as deep uh, knowledge-wise as I am for Star Wars or Twin Peaks or even Doctor Who at this point. And I'm not even is deep knowledge wise doctor who but i feel that and it's a weird thing that we've gotten to culturally where it's sad that you think about do you want to go to a place where people also like the thing that you like and maybe you'll hear some ideas and some panels and some discussions and some fun stuff and buy an action figure and have to kind of have that little bit of concern that somebody's going to go can you oh you didn't remember Echeb right away then you don't belong here. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I understand that fear because I have it too. Mm-hmm. I think we need to work on uh, not being afraid of that. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's I a think, culture. And I think it's getting, it seems to me like it's getting better. It might just be that I stay away from those things when, when I, I feel like there's more pushback against it. Yes. More vocal pushback. I think so too. I think, I think that's a better way of saying I think that. people are being good fans and trying to say, yeah. if you've seen one episode and you like it, if you've seen one Star Wars movie and you like it, if you've seen one episode of Next Generation and you love it, you're a fan, mm-hmm. period. Stop. Let's not yeah, do this to you one another. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I would like to go to Star Trek convention. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, would you read the entire Wikipedia page for Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is insanely long? Not the movie. The movie's long. But the Wikipedia page yeah. is perhaps the longest Wikipedia page I have ever read. <laughs> Well, now I need to go look at it just to see how long it is. It's just mind-bogglingly long. Wow. I mean, yeah, I can, I can deep dive into Wikipedia pretty easily. So, <laughs> I mean, a science officer. I mean, I'm sure that's a lot of the <laughs> right. job is reading Wikipedia, right? I think that would be part of the research I was supposed to have done to have achieved that post. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you discovered a star, would you name it after a Star Trek character? Like in real life, if yeah. I discovered a star? Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, that's got a nice, a nice um, poetry to it. Yes, my art-loving uh, culture would love that. Yeah, I mean, there have to be stars that have been named after Star Trek characters. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I would consider that. Cool, cool. Uh, final question. If we sat down to watch Deep Space Nine tonight, but a bear burst into our home and stole the remote, how would we handle it? We have computers. We can still watch it. <laughs> we would say we, we don't need to have a conflict with this bear right now. I mean, so is we the would bear act like, logically. Well, the bear stole the remote. Yeah. And we have a TV that doesn't turn on without a remote. That's true. So does the bear then sit in front of the TV or like leave and take the remote? Or the bear's sit heading down? out the door. What do you do? I honestly just let the bear have the remote. <laughs> well, okay, that's not true. I have a brand new jar of honey. So I would try a trade. I'd be like, would you like this if I could have this? But if the bear swipes, I, I mean, we started with, I've been fighting with the sun all day. Yeah. I'm tired. Not also going to fight with the bear today. So I would maybe just be like, fine, I guess we'll go figure out how to buy a new remote. Yeah, I, I would try to meet the bear halfway. I would yeah. I would try to follow the rules of uh, first contact of Starfleet and see if we could find a way to understand one another. <laughs> Keep the bear talking long enough, see if our translator works. <laughs> yes. Can we get you to roar until our computer is like, yeah, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I would prefer to watch Voyager tonight is what mm-hmm. the bear is saying. Like, yeah. Okay, we can, we can compromise tonight. Okay. Uh, you get to... Handle the bear if the bear breaks in tonight. I like your answer better. Oh, no. I, w- I will distract the bear while you get the honey. I think it's great. <laughs> great teamwork. Can you make a noise to sum up your uh, interest in Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Going off into space. Yay. That's a great noise. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's uh, put our a number to our obsession. So on a scale of 1 to 10... Where would you rate your obsession? Mm, I mean, honestly, right now, while we're in the middle of this Deep Space Nine episode, I do think about them a lot, not just when we're watching them. Yeah. So I would put myself, you know, I'm on my phone. I'm saying I'm a seven, aren't I? I feel like I've been a seven all of the last few weeks. That's fine. I'd say somewhere around a seven, maybe a six and a half. Yeah. Um, if I were doing like lifetime and impact on my life, yeah. which is how I've been trying to rate a little bit more, then I would probably do more in the, like the five and a half or six. Yeah. Cause it's maybe even a five. Okay. Because definitely been there and I, and I'm trying to use the whole scale, not just that everything has to be above a five. Um, but it hasn't necessarily been a huge impact. Yeah. Or like lifelong. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. I like that. Yeah. I think for myself, you? yeah, lifetime, I'd probably say seven uh, and yeah. I would rate myself higher. But again, because of that, like I have there are so many things that I care about. Like I'm not caught up. We're not caught up on discovery. Right. And like that is a little bit unbelievable to me. But mm-hmm. there's just, you know, uh, life goes on. <laughs> there's so much to do. There's so much to absorb. There's so much to cope with. Uh, there's so many. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh But yeah, I think it is, I think I rate it that high because even in times where I'm not watching Star Trek, it's, I watched it so young and it was so fundamental. And I think even if, you know, I couldn't articulate it, certainly by the time that Voyage Home was coming out and I was, you know, anticipating it and I bought the comic book adaptation, got trading cards, all that stuff. um, I think even if I couldn't articulate it at a young age, that fundamental viewpoint of, 
emotions are valuable. Being human is valuable. But being logical is be, is valuable. But trying to understand other cultures and respect them is valuable. But we you do have beliefs that you have to stand up and fight for. And exploration is valuable. Just the desire to learn more. All of that is so baked into Star Wars. Or Star Wars, excuse me, Star Trek. I'm so used to saying Star Wars. You made it so long. Uh, I know, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, four Star Wars podcasts a week, everybody. Uh, so that's so baked into Star Trek mm-hmm. that I think that has to have just a, a affected my fundamental view of the world and life. I would agree with that. Yay. I would I would say maybe even a tiny bit higher than a seven, maybe a seven and a half. Seven and a half. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would go that high. And uh, yeah, Deep Space Nine right now off the charts because it's what we're watching right now. <laughs> and I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to keep going. All right. We're going to move on to some plugs and we're going to wrap up with some final questions. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And here's some quick plugs for the show. Before our final questions, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can also follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on uh, shows in the future, comedy albums, that comedy book I mentioned, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. I am sure every character in Starfleet knows that they are registered to vote. So I think that everybody (laughs) here in America should make sure that they're registered to vote. I know many people have already voted, but if you haven't, if you have any questions, you can find out everything you need at IWillVote.com. All right, here are some final questions for you. A wormhole opens up outside of our apartment. Where on earth do you want it to lead to? Um, Picard's Vineyard. (laughs) Nice, nice. I like that a lot. Uh, If you could be a tree for a day, would you? Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. <laughs> Even if you were you were aware, you were cognizant, but you were just standing there, proud and tall. Yeah. Blowing in the wind a little bit, I dancing think, with the wind. I mean, what a fascinating experience. Yeah. To see what it's like to be a tree. Yeah. Okay, great. I was I thought that you'd be all in, but I wanted to ask just in yeah. case. These questions are now just becoming things that I mean to ask you in day-to-day life, but we get too busy. That's what podcasts are for. Final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Happiness is having both a transporter and a holodeck. That is a very good and very honest answer. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, I figured it out. My uh, Star Trek school bus, the driver, is Odo. Why? Because uh, when you were talking about all the reasons that you like him, I can just really feel like he would be focused. He would be very good at it. He would get annoyed when, you know, everyone's having their party in the bus. <laughs> so it feels appropriate. But also he's not going to get so distracted that he will make sure they get safely to the destination. Yeah, I can just imagine him driving perfectly, like on a winding, scary road. And then he just really quickly looks up in the mirror and then he's like, Riker, stop playing that jazz, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>